We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. Welcome back to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is me and Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. Arsenal 2, Olympiacos 3 in a thrilling game at the Emirates. How long can I go on saying like I'm really happy when I'm really not? Not for very long, that's for sure. No James today, so Elliot and Paul will be discussing the, um, about to say the highs and lows. The lows and the lows of the defeat at the Emirates in midweek. Before I hand you over to Elliot and Paul... Here are some of my post-match thoughts. Yep, it's about as, as good as I can give right now. Um, I'm feeling ill at the moment, probably because Arsenal made me ill. And I'm going to leave it there because I want to get better. But I'm going to hand you over to the guys who will do a much better job of analysing the game than I can. So enjoy the podcast if you can. And back after the Man United game after we uh, bounce back. Or not. Till then. European minnows fight manfully to get back in the game, but ultimately lose to Olympiacos at the Emirates. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and our result has chased James from the pod once again. But uh, Paul is here. He is not afraid of what will be a ranting, raving, spitting, drooling madness of a performance from me. And we will discuss the lessons that were not learned from the Monaco game, or was it the Anderlecht game, or was it the Braga game, or was it the Napoli game, or was it, the, you know what, it could have been any game really. Um, but enough of that. This is probably a bad time to ask you to leave us a positive review on iTunes, but if you want to do that, that'd be great as well. And it is time to introduce Paul. He is here. He is on Twitter as well, at Pausing in My Pants. Hello, Paul. Woohoo. 
pretty dire stuff these days, um, but it is what it is. So we are uh, one day after what was really an atrocity um, following a loss to Olympiacos at home. It really is almost fair to call us European minnows. We we lose to small teams. We lose to big teams. We never progress past the round of 16. We don't win groups. Um, so it, it really is probably fair to refer to us that way. But let me start by asking you just a simple question. After the match, Paramedisacker said we need to learn the learn the lessons from Olympiacos and, and build on that. Are these lessons any different from the ones against Monaco? The last time we were seen in Europe last year, we were being knocked out to Monaco or by Monaco thanks to a first-leg performance that really reminded me of this. I mean, is are lessons just not being learned? Do you, do you see the same errors being repeated time and time again at this point? Well, it certainly feels like, like, like that's the case. It certainly feels like nothing's different. Um, I mean, it's difficult with all these things because, you know, a lot of how we react and a lot of what we think are the issues are really kind of to do with us and our feelings. And it's not, I don't by any mean to say that there aren't problems. It's just you look at the range of solutions people come up with and I can't pick from them. I mean, I, re- I read, th- looking for answers myself, because I don't know what the bloody problem is. I, uh, so the short answer is, I agree with you fully. Now, if we could all agree what those lessons were. So, y- you know, this is something that's near and dear to your heart. So today I'm going to be listening as much as, as I might generally kind of bang out my theories. Because I don't know the fucking answer. I read... Uh, Amy What's-Her-Face's piece, I read Barney Ronay's, I read Gabe Marcotta, I read stuff from Miguel Delaney, I read I, I read everything on Twitter, and it's not clear to me what the simple answer is. I mean, I have my own feelings on it. Um, and to say that tactically, you know, we're this, that, or the other, I mean, tactically, we were, we were a bit different last night. Um and for me, the three goals were a bit different. The first two, I have some sympathy with Arson in terms of us being a bit unlucky and, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, uh, that only gets you so far. We, we seem to be quite unlucky quite often in in Europe against smaller teams. But anyway, I, I can see grounds for the first goal. I can see grounds why the second goal was, maybe the word isn't unlucky, but... Um, to me, that's all about the selection of goalkeeper. I'm, I'm, I don't know where everybody else is on that. But the second goal, I'd put down to goalkeeper. Now, why the fuck we played We'll come, we'll come to that. So we'll come l- to let's that. leave Ospina because that's going to be the, a, a good chunk the, of the conversation here. So to me, going. the third goal is absolutely, you know, dead center into the haven't we seen that goal before against this kind of team in this kind of situation, in this kind of competition? It just but felt like that, Monaco all over yeah. again. It, right? The, I particularly mean, the that scoring third goal. a goal, complete naivety, na- naivete, whatever, complete yeah. lack of awareness. Mertesacker even called out the, the more forward players saying he felt like they were kind of left on an island. And, and it's, it's once again, the, uh, for a team with more experience in Champions League than anyone else, and certainly a manager with more experience, I would bet, than any active manager 
managing the Champions League today, you only have to go back six months to a game where we did exactly the same thing. You do. Uh, I qu- I understand what Mertesacker might be saying in a sense in that there was a huge gap between the defense. I mean, there were wide open spaces in midfield. But on the other hand, they were all back there. I mean, all. Um, you know, well, there I mean, were G- Gibbs four- didn't, d- didn't cover himself in any glory, but really it was from kickoff straight or, away. It or basically Mertesacker. wound up being a three-on-three. Three. No, Mertesacker didn't either. I mean, but the point yeah, is... Yeah, because cause he, he was jogging, I mean, running... Be- he didn't lay a glove on, uh, was it Boggesen who put it in? Anyway. Finn, um, Finn Boggesen. Finn, Finn Boggesen was the scorer or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he was right beside him. I would have loved to have seen a Terry-esque uh, diving tackle, but, uh, you know, I, well, I know we don't like... just get close to him. Just get yeah, close to or, him. Or bump him or nudge him. But he's kind of... And then he kind of slows down after it kind of resigns. So, now I know he's been out for a while, so... You you could give him a little sympathy. I've sympathy for Gibbs because if you look at it, they've just sprinted out the four of them to catch them offside, and Bellerin has a nightmare on the goal. He 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 gets beaten by his fullback, and he's the last man out playing them all outside. Now maybe maybe that's a little harsh on him because as he's the guy running with the fullback, uh, running with their winger, he has the most work to do to sprint out when they take the shot. Blah blah blah. So it might be a little harsh, but. He's kind of got his fingerprints on that goal twice. Um, and, you know, Arson has his fingerprints on that goal, too, because uh, at the end of the day, he's the one who decides we're more attacking when we take Coquelin off, and that's how we get... I, I don't remember the substitutions, but I assume that's how we got Joel Campbell on. It never fucking works out that way. I know was, in, but, but, Paul, yeah. it's, look, I, you know, not, not to cut you off, but because we're, we're going to go back to the beginning and go through yeah. this all over again, but... Against Monaco, you get that goal that puts you one foot back in the tie. And because of that euphoria, a a team with strong leadership, with good preparation, with good discipline says, okay, let's tighten it up. Let's spend a couple minutes creating another platform to attack again. Let's build some pressure on them. Let them start to get nervous and then go again. Instead, we shipped a goal immediately because no one was paying attention. Yeah. Uh, against against Olympiacos, it was the same thing. We get to 2-2, everyone races back, and right off the kickoff, everyone pours forward into their half. There's no one saying, all right, guys, settle down, settle down. There's still 20 minutes. There's still a football game to play. Hey, we've taken off some of our most defensively astute players here. There, there isn't that leadership. So l- let's go back to the beginning uh, for a and, minute. And let me just add quickly on that. You mm-hmm. know you're in trouble when you've just scored a goal. They're still showing the replay. They're showing the manager's reaction, and they suddenly cut to you fighting your, for your fucking life as Bellerin gets beaten in the bottom right corner. That's how how much of a fucking deja vu they hit us straight. I mean, we don't know what happened up upfield. Well, maybe somebody does from watching replays. But watching live, you don't know what happened upfield. All you know is, holy fuck, we just scored. What the hell are we doing back here? Why are they all rushing out? Oh, oh shit, he's knocking it over to the right. Oh, fuck, they put it in the net. Well, That's this like, is the thing. This is, this is not... This is not Sunderland in the league. This is Olympiacos in the Champions League. They're Greek champions. It's it's a competition where a point there is a must. You you can't get zero. It just it yeah. shows such a lack of awareness of the situation. Let's go back to the beginning. We can't discuss this game without discussing team selection. And I'll give you a challenge. I don't think it can be done, but I'll ask you to do it. <laughs> Defend the selection for me, of any of the three changes he made, and in particular, Ospina? Uh, I think I'm okay on all of them, 
Apart from Ospina. That's in Ospina. Okay. All right. (laughs) I I withdraw my (laughs) accusations of insanity. All right. Go go ahead. Now, I did joke beforehand about, because I was defending the logic of it. I would never have done it. Uh, I was kind of sympathetic to it to to some degree. But but once you say this is a must-win tie, and it was, you don't fucking play Ospina. You don't I mean, screw I, around I, in a must-win game. You just you don't. You do not screw around. I think you, you can make a reason, a, a rationale for why you play Ospina in a league game that's important because you have 38 league games potentially or how many are left to make up any fucking, you know, on paper it might sound like a reasonable thing to say they're both good goalkeepers and blah, blah, blah. And he had, a, you know, there was, the, there was a whole discussion beforehand and then he suddenly had a, a calf strain, which I never believed, or at le- least never believed it was particularly serious. Well, I made a if joke he could about, be on the bench, I mean, a goalkeeper yeah. on the bench is always at risk of having to play. So yeah. if, if he can't play, apparently he had he the same the one for Leicester and he, he seemed ground to me. Um so, and yes, any goalkeeper can make mistakes, but not any goalkeeper can make that mistake, uh, especially given we've always talked about the fact one of Ospina's problems is on crosses because he's a short arse. Well, this this was beyond being a short arse on a cross. I mean, this was entirely a concoction of his own creation. So, fuck me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through through this. Just three quick questions. Agree we disappointed in the Champions League last season? Yes. Okay. Agree that part of the job in the summer of Arsenal Football Club is to improve their chances of competing in the major competitions we're in. Uh, I feel that one's a trap. Yes. Agree that the only signing we made to improve said oh. squad was Peter Cech. Yes-ish. That's a fact. Uh, I, mean, I mean, you can't, you can't it, disagree. Well, the, well, I said the only we, signing, not cohesion, it, none of that. Only signing. Okay, well, we get... Yes, I'll okay, agree that. So but but uh, I'm not going to take co- you where you don't want to go here. I promise. Couple of quick caveats, which is we <laughs> re-signed Theo, and that was make or break. No, 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 Had we, si- I, I get it. But, so but, anyway, but, hey, yes. Bear with okay, me. I'm not going to take you where you All don't right. want to go here. All I promise right. you. Okay. All right. Be gentle. So we disappointed with me, in Europe. Yeah. We felt it is our job to improve in the summer so that we yep. can be better in Europe. The signing we made that we felt would help bridge the gap was Czech. And as yet, we have not used him in Europe in two games. Yeah, That, to me, is, is criminal. You say, if you're Arsene Wenger and you want to say the only signing we had to make to close the gap was Czech, I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt if, one, he does close the gap, and two, you use him. I mean, Paul, if he's the only signing you make, and this is the most prestigious competition you're in, and you don't use him, it doesn't... You can't possibly argue that you should expect anything better than what you achieved in the previous year. And I realize injuries and experience, but we've clearly proven that the experience doesn't help. Arguably, I mean, the really disappointing part is as bad as the start to last season was, we could defend it with injuries. We don't even have that to defend it with now. But so you select Ospina. He costs you the game. I mean, I think it's fair to say him throwing the ball in the net basically cost us the game. But I think there's another point to this, Paul. If you're the manager of Dinamo Zagreb and you've got a team from London coming into your arena where you haven't lost in a million years, or if you're Olympiacos going to England and you're the manager of those teams and you need to find a team talk to get your team motivated— when the manager of a team who lost to Zagreb is now rotating again for Olympiacos, and particularly goalkeeper, which doesn't make sense, doesn't that write the manager's team talk for his side to say, hey, guys, 
we get a win here, we're really in with a shout to get out of this group. They don't even see us as a threat. They're playing their backup keeper, their backup fullback. Let's let's show them not to take us lightly. I mean, don't you don't you walk into a trap there? I think you, yeah, I think you do. I think you give them a reason to believe. Exactly. That's um, all it takes. Just a little reason. Uh, uh, I'll say say that I'll add another. Uh, uh, you know, I know, I normally like to cool things down down a little bit, but I'll add another bit of fuel to the fire. Sweet. If you're thinking about the good the good of this team as a manager, then another reason not to play Ospina is if anything goes wrong, you put your team into this situation and you put your your club into this clusterfuck of a meltdown afterwards. You know, if you send out your best team and you lose and no questions asked, it's your best team, then you have done, as a manager, you've done everything you can do. <clears throat> and it is what it is, and you take your lumps, and the team learns and the club learns. But, it, but this fucking meltdown is something that I think is largely of the manager's creation. When you the, choose the, to play Ospina, yeah. you run the risk that that choice can cost you points, cost you a goal, and a goal can cost you points. And I'll get, one thing really bothered me, okay? After the match, the manager defended this. Well, he was pretty touchy and didn't feel he had to defend it, but he defended the selection by saying, Ospina played 19 games last season, 14 of them were clean sheets. This is a good goalkeeper. Anyone can make a mistake. Okay? By that logic, Matthew Flamini played fullback on our run to the Champions League final. So we should play Matthew Flamini at fullback because we were able to get to a Champions League final with him there. Just because you're able to achieve something with an inferior player doesn't mean you should then continue to use the inferior player, especially when you yourself acknowledged his inferiority by making a massive signing at his position in the summer. You know, you okay. can't the, you can't uh, sign uh, Peter Check in the summer and then go about saying that you rate Ospina. If you rated Ospina, you don't spend $10 million on Check and ship Chesney out. I agree with your logic there, but but the, the only thing about worrying about what Arson says after a press conference where he's defensive and getting pissy. I get it. It's a message for the players. It's 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 yeah. It's really there are times we can really debate what he says, and times when what he's saying is what he means. And yesterday it was damage limitation and maybe a bit of CYA. And you know, I'll give him a Mm -hmm. I'll give him a pass on the stupid shit he said after yesterday's game because I don't know what the fuck I'd say if I screwed up like that. I'd say whatever it took to get me out of that meeting, I'd be pissed off and uh, and to cover my to defend my player and blah, blah, blah. So I don't think we should worry. I think all your points are valid without worrying too much about what the fuck Arson said in his presser. This is sometimes why I think you need to be it's a young man's game and you need to be a little younger because young people have big egos and their egos get bruised and they want to prove a point and they want to show they're the best. And you get to a certain age in life and you just feel pretty comfortable in your skin. If Arsene Wenger were 15 years younger or 20 years younger, there's no way he plays Ospina there because he's not taking the risk that he looks like an idiot if we drop points. He's not risking his ego and his reputation. At the age and the stage of his career he's in, he has no one left to answer to. He's accomplished virtually everything except this competition. And, and you know, he cares about his players. He cares about harmony and, and, and things that are a little more subtle. And I just think, you know what, Arson, Don't make it so easy for people to beat you up. Pick yeah. check. And don't get, you know, he doesn't care what people think because he's at a stage in his life when he doesn't need to. A younger man, 20 years younger, has to care what people think and, and doesn't make a selection that creates a rod for his back. Um, l- let me ask you this. I, s- I say we're out. We're out of the Champions League. 
Do you have any disagreement there? Uh, I do, yeah. Believe right, it or talk, not. Talk me through, and I don't mean pie in the sky. Talk me through a scenario I can, because I love this competition, and I'm devastated to be out of it after two games. Talk me through a scenario that I can buy into where we get through. Not not we beat Bayern twice and beat everybody, and then we win the championship. Talk, talk me through a scenario I can get behind. Uh, well, hopefully Zagreb uh, and Olympiakos don't beat each other. A couple of nice draws would be very nice. Yeah, if they both draw, that'd, that'd be obviously that'd be lovely. The, the, the best. I mean, I, I think that's asking a lot for two draws, but okay. Yeah, yeah, but maybe there's one draw and a win. Okay. Uh, and that gives us trouble. So we have to beat the other two. I mean, it should be a stroll to beat Zagreb at home. <laughs> and, uh, and we have to go to Olympiakos and beat them and not be idiots. Um, so we have to do those. Is that possible? Yes, I, I'd say it is. Okay. Right. And then we've got, yep. then it's But, but again, I, th- there's a lot of people presuming, ju- just to no, stop you, there's I, a lot of people presuming, yeah. well, we, you know, we take I'm six not. points from Zagreb and Olympiakos. Well, they've already beaten us both times. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't just presume yeah. that. Yeah. But uh, here's one thing. Arson's very proud of, 18 years qualifying from the group stage. So I think back to your point a few minutes ago, um, he's not going to be saying it's life or death. I think he's going to be meaning it. So um, then it's wh- which of the three teams is going to do better against Bayern home in a way? Um, I mean, I don't know. That's a bit of a crapshoot. So, so can we do it? I think so. I, I think it's a pretty even race now between the three of us. Oh my which gosh. means I mean that that which I gotta disagree. Can I just give okay. you a quick? But pro- that means. Okay. But hang on, hang on. That means we have a one in three chance of making it. Is that ridiculous? I don't think we have a one in three chance. Okay. I think we well, have a one in ten chance. Yeah, I'm not saying we're favorites. I think we have a one in three chance. I think it's pretty even. Over to you, Elliot. It's, it's all right. So here, here's a couple of the problems. Even if you can convince me that we can take a point off Bayern, and at this moment you'd be crazy to think we can. I mean, I know you can go with the, we've seen us do crazy stuff before. I'm more than convinced we can, but okay. uh, Okay, Uh, all right. But let's just say on the the face of it, on the merits of our performances this season and on the merits of our European play, there is absolutely no uh, grounds for that. But let's just say we can't. I don't agree, but okay. Well, I mean, we lost in Zagreb to a pub side. We lost at home to Olympiacos to a pub side. I've got some really good news. Bayern isn't a pub side. Well, that's good. So, yeah, so maybe that's what we've been missing. Um, and a little, maybe this a little, weekend honestly. against United will tell us a little more because we played one big yeah. game in the league, and it was not a game you can analyze because of the sending offs. But let me say this. This is what worries me. If we were to lose to Bayern both times, basically I think well, we're, we're fucked. Yeah. Because we can get to six points, and then you do need the draws from both and yep. losses both times to Bayern. The problem for us... Bayern will be through and top, we'd have to presume, before their final two games. Um, They're already on six. Even if they just beat us once and draw once, they'll be on ten. They'll be through and top by virtually any scenario. They can probably take it a little easier against Zagreb and Olympiacos, and thereby increasing the chance that someone gets a point off them. Um, The other problem, of course, is that 
you know, we, we have to get the, the point off Bayern. But if there is a winner, let's say Olympiacos beats Zagreb. They're on six, okay? They're yep. one point away from qualification. Yeah. If that point comes against us at home, they're through. If it comes against Bayern, they're through. I mean, it just, unless we beat Bayern once, I, we've got the two Bayern games coming up. We beat them in one of those games. I'll start believing we have a shot again. We don't beat them. I don't see but it. But if I don't, we beat I don't think both we of them one. and we get a point, we're on 7-2, then it's down to, okay. oh, is it, uh, yeah. We, we can do two. some uh, advanced mathematics in another pod, yeah. but l- let's, get to, let's get to some of the things about tough. the game real quick. What more can be said about Oxlade-Chamberlain? This is a player with tremendous talent, but he's just having a nightmare right now. Everything goes against him. He doesn't put in the effort defensively. When he does put in an effort, things go off his ass and his shin and his shoulder and go into our net. I mean, the only way it seems like he'd score right now is if he deflected our own shot in somehow. Um <sighs> He he obviously was at fault in quotes, big, big quotes, for their first goal. But even before that, you know, you take the lead in that game and maybe we smash them because that may just put any confidence out of them. He had the best chance of the game really early on in the counterattack and put it in the side netting. Is Was he, Ospina aside, the biggest disappointment for you on the night? Um. Mm. So uh, the bigger issue for me is that we can see why Ramsey on the right works with Theo and Alexis. My con- uh, I was excited about the lineup, I won't lie, but I did wonder if we were over-egging the pudding again because although Ox dropped into midfield quite a bit to help out, blah, 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 Ra- you know, we saw towards the end with Ramsey in that corner, he, he, he was part of getting the ball to... Theo with Santi, the cross into uh, Alexis and the header. And, you know, he he can drop back and help out in midfield. He was actually back with Bellerin marking the full back for their third goal. So I don't know if that really makes my point. But anyway, he can do more of that uh, graft. And, and he's just got more smarts from a midfield standpoint and defensively. So that was my bigger concern about Ox. I, I won't beat him up for missing that. That, that shot early on. I know what you're talking about. It was a, a juicy opportunity, but I wouldn't be beating Theo up either because it's not, a, for me, it's not the ones you miss most of the time. It's putting one of them away, which Theo did. Unfortunately, Ox didn't really get too many more. I think he did okay in the game. I think my main regret is that he wasn't Ramsey. And then defensively, his body shape was just all wrong on the goal. Had he been, had he opened himself a little bit more to the shot in then if he was sticking his foot out, it wouldn't have hit the outside of his of his foot angled back. It would would have hit the inside, his instep or his in leg or you know blah blah blah. So mm-hmm. he just he just can't, he just jogged out with the rest of them like an attacker jogs out instead of a defender. But I think there's plenty of criticism to go around to yeah. the other defenders too. So uh, it, it, the the issue with Ox is that he's not as integrated into the team. He does good stuff. He, as you call him, I think, a soloist. For me, it's that he's not as integrated into how we play, and he doesn't provide the same level of balance that Ramsey does. I think that impacted us throughout the game. So, so yeah. 
Yeah, I, I just think it's not happening for him at the moment. And it's not. he's a player who, if we were going to do anything this season, when he played, he needed to really be the player we thought he was developing into. I think yeah. the thing that's most disappointing for me, and I've been very vocal about this, is for a player who has so much to prove and wants to show so much what he's capable of, the lack of concentration and, and effort defensively is really hard to understand. Um, yeah. I think he's in a little bit of a funk. I mean, I think he's... You see it actually on his face. I mean, you see it. Yeah. Every time there's yeah. a camera on him, he looks like someone who's living a nightmare. I mean, he, he yeah. really looks... And I think that's the problem. He's put a lot of pressure on himself this season. He yeah. wants to do well. The manager said that. And he's just gotten away from doing the simple things well. The, you know, he's trying to beat three men when he gets the ball. And then when he loses the ball, he's watching. He's ball watching a lot. Um, so he, you know, he, he deflects the ball in. They, they get an early goal. We come right back and get the next one. Um, and now this is, this is for me where also I think if you're a player, you look at your manager and you say, gee, thanks, Arson. Ospina throws the ball in his net, and I think it was in, by the way. Do you, have, do you doubt that it was over the line? I mean, it's ridiculous they don't have goal line technology, but I think it, it looked uh, over to me. Do I doubt it? Yeah, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, it was if it wasn't in, it fucking deserved to be. Yeah, that's, that's a well put. I agree. So, you know, if you're a player on a team, at some point, your motivation, your discipline, your commitment to the cause is reflected by the manager's attitude, ruthlessness, commitment to the cause. And, you know, if you're a player and you you watch Ospina chuck it in your net, what impact do you think that has on morale and the attitude of the players Terrible. who look around and see this guy Petrcek sitting on the bench and this clown David Ospina throwing the ball in his net? Terrible. And that's that's your second goal you're coming from back from. I mean, it's just a fucking dagger through the heart. Yeah, I mean, you look at um, it. We don't lose to Zagreb if Giroud just keeps his head and doesn't get yeah. sent off. And we don't lose to Olympiacos if Czech's playing. It's that simple. These are two yeah. super, super avoidable losses that are down not to our, even our performances. Even if the performances are poor, it's down to extraordinary stupidity, one by Giroud and the other by the manager. And and what, is that, what does that do for the morale, the, the team? Now, it's not good. I, I think another thing we have to look at, you know, if you ever criticize Mesut Ozil, you're a pariah. It's just, you know, people have decided he is beyond reproach. He's a phenomenal player, arguably our most talented player right there with Alexis, but he does not show up in a lot of big games. I mean, I, I don't get any joy saying that. He's not a leader. He's not a presence. Alexis Sanchez was spectacular in defeat for the second game in a row, and it's it starts with his energy and his effort, but also there was a lot of flair and quality to what he did. What do you make of Ozil? I mean, are you disappointed that when when the going gets tough, he doesn't seem to raise his game? Uh, I, I you know I am a little bit. I don't want to overstate. I still think he did a lot of good things. Uh, let me put it another way: Had we not fucked up on those two goals, we could be talking about a completely different game. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because this is absolutely frustrating for any of us who are pissed off, which is all of us. But uh, you mentioned Alexis. You know, you talked about his graft and, and his performance and his leadership. But what really struck me was the pop he has um, mm -hmm. back in his game. I mean, he was fucking, you know, uh, he was leaping off the screen into 3D. I mean, he was just fucking, he was brilliant last night. He really was. And, no, I mean, I, that's the one silver lining for me in the entire thing. Uh, I'll find another one for you. 
the Theo. Oh, I knew it. I should have said it. <laughs> the before Theo <laughs> Alexis thing is working for us. Yeah. Did I not predict that when we get Theo as striker, we'll see Alexis in in the middle of the box scoring goals. We'll see him leaping in the six yard area for crosses. It's, he's done a fucking twice in two games. I mean, I'm oh, surprised okay. you're not at my fucking feet telling me I'm a genius predictor because I happened to fluke that particular Paul. line. But it's true. He he peels it. Con- I know. Yeah. You're confusing me for James because <laughs> no, the one no. thing I've always been on board with is Theo up front. I mean, I've, I've been yeah. no, in agreement. No, no my only point very is. Strong I Theo did, supporters. Yeah, yeah. No, my only point is, did I not predict if Theo's there, we'll keep seeing Alexis in the six-yard box going up for headers. And we've seen two in yeah. two games. I'm like, even that I'm impressed with that one. That was a brilliant goal. What a wonderfully worked it's goal. Like and a no, lovely little delivery from Theo. Not the easiest delivery. And Alexis just doing everything in his power to run Sweetness. into that space. Making those and runs Alexis and Alexis created for Theo back. beautifully. And a, and a beautiful run. Theo created for Alexis beautifully. And a beautiful run. And a fucking leap like a gazelle. Alexis so, is a perfect example that, that the size of the player isn't just about stature. It's about... no desire um so that that's all well and good you know one of the things that i've been thinking though you did bring up the ozil thing Mm -hmm. and it does seem that ozil is no better than our best players on the day in other words if if we're really not shining um he's not the one to some degree He's he doesn't not seem to one. lift our performance. He above doesn't seem to lift the us. Challenge. He seems to en- enable to to multiply, but he doesn't seem to be the guy who can get you the to the kind of the the critical mass of a performance. And maybe that's just how it is. I mean, it's kind of the role he played at at uh, Real Madrid. I mean, he had had the star players around him, and he helped them be great. And and maybe that's just how it is. If um, I mean, it is very frustrating, and it's frustrating as well. I, I, it's strange because sometimes you really see him putting in the graft as well, going backwards, um, and getting stuck in and fighting. And you're like, oh yeah, oh, we're in business now. He's really got the memo. And then other times he kind of kind of disappears on you, and you're like, just keep fucking doing what you were doing the other day or in the first half or. It's like, but he can so easily go into a shell. Yeah, I, I think there there were a lot of. I mean, um, I saw I saw some screen caps from the game and a lot of moments where there was no one ahead of the ball. There was enormous amounts of space between the lines for us. I saw one screen cap where there were five Arsenal players standing in a horizontal line across the pitch, which I don't I yeah. don't fully understand how that's going to help you uh, break someone down. The positioning looked wrong, and, and I'm starting to think maybe the, the midfield isn't right. As much as I love Santi Cazorla, I'm not sure he's duplicating the magic of what he did in central midfield last season. And Francis Coughlin didn't look right to me. He didn't look ready to play. And this comes back to the summer again. Love Santi or hate Santi, who could have ever predicted that Arteta and Flamini would both be injured at the same time? I mean, what are the odds? Like 92%? Um, I don't think Coughlin would have played if either of those players were available. So we got, an, I think, a very uneven performance from Francis Coughlin. I, you know, he did some of the things he does well, but by and large, I, I don't think it was one of his better games. And it, it's hard to get away from on nights like this, the decision not to strengthen beyond bringing in check and then not even playing him. Um, 
let's move on from it. Well, l- let me ask you first of all, because I know you're a huge Coughlin fan, and I'm I'm I like Coughlin, but I've I've always been a little bit back and forth on him. I thought he looked not great last night. I'm willing to be open to the idea that it was just that he was not fit. At one point, he played a quote pass to Oxlade Chamberlain that nearly asphyxiated him because it crushed him in the neck at 100 miles an hour. Um, did Coughlin look unfit to you? Not not right on the night? Maybe, or, you know, maybe it was just a little bit off, or or maybe, you know, the game out. I, I don't really know. He, it, it seemed like he was just a tad off his, his uh, full effort. I mean, on the, on the, uh, there was a, an, a, an attempt on goal where he got back and scrambled and, and, and kind of saved her ass. And I think it ended up going out um, for a corner and they scored off that corner. But he was pretty cockalinny. I mean, he definitely had his moments where he did things that, that made a difference to us. He does have a, he does have an issue. You know, uh, in the past, I've praised his some of his diagonals and long balls, but he does fucking uh, put a little too much. He, he kind of keeps them flat and and fast, and he needs a little bit more range. I think I saw Ramsey and a couple of the other guys after that that uh, that pass discussing the shape of it on the subs bench. Kind of do, with his wrist doing this kind of looping thing and the kind of going back and forward where they're debating. You can almost see them saying, yeah, that's that thing Francis does when he fucking overhits it low and doesn't get enough loop and bend and curve on it. So there's definitely a thing there. Um, the one thing I would say, so when we took him off, I I just, fu- fucking hell, if I was Steve Bold, I'd be tackling uh, Arson around the ankle when he starts trying to pull off Cockland to put on somebody to make us more attacking. It never mm-hmm. seems to make us more attacking, and it does make us more vulnerable. I often think it makes us slightly less attacking. Well, um, I, I, so would, I would say this just to that is a well-drilled, disciplined, experienced team should know we're a little more vulnerable now. We don't have that shield in front of the back four. We're going to be attacking more, but we all need to take turns being aware and contributing to pressing and winning the ball back and and helping be aware of what's going on behind us because the back four is going to be a little bit more exposed. I agree with that, but you, our midfielders were... You should know your situation. You should, but, but if I'm Arson, I'm thinking, apparently I'm not, Santi is an ex-winger uh, central attacking midfielder. Um, Ramsey has been playing winger and attacking midfielder mix for some time. Who the fuck is going on there as a midfielder with the remotest thought... Uh, and instinct at this point. You know, Ramsey's all work right now, but that's not exactly positioning, and he hasn't had that job for a while. I'm thinking there's a reasonable chance these guys mightn't fucking think. You, you know, when you look at some of those balls coming across the midfield, and especially on that goal, there's nobody in the DM spot in front of that box. Santi has drifted over to cover the the uh, the winger too. He's He's flat in line with the the fullback and the centre-backs. There's nobody in the DM spot as that ball works its way across our defence over to the right wing. Nobody is a DM. Nobody's thinking like a DM. So uh, I'm no Gary Neville. But to me, I'm not surprised there wasn't a midfielder thinking, hmm, maybe I'll fill in for the missing Francis Coquelin because they are the most attacking midfielders on the planet. 
even if mm-hmm. their even if their business cards may say central midfielder at the moment. Santi, well, his instincts, you know, he's still learning the position. I'm not surprised nobody stood in that DM spot in front of the in front of the box in front of our centre backs as the ball got knocked from one side to the other. This this leads to another point that I wanted to bring up, though, and. You know, you say, well, we brought Coughlin off for Ramsey. I think that move is in part compelled or, or by the fact that... I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Sorry. What was that? Sorry. Did, did Who did Coughlin come off for? Was it Ramsey or Ramsey. Joel? No, it was okay. Ramsey. And then it was, okay. um, I, I guess, Bellerin who came off for Campbell. Um, right? Isn't that what we did? We took... Maybe. Coughlin yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yep, yep. Um, no, but here's my point. Part of the reason you have to take Coughlin off for Ramsey there is... You don't have anyone else you really trust to chase the game there. And this comes back to a big argument we had over the summer. Oh, the only thing that would improve us is a superstar striker and no one else is worth it, whether it's, you know. Can you take off Ox? Well, here's the point, though. For whom? Take off Ox, play Ramsey. I, I mean, I guess on. you can do it that way. But my point is, that's what if, I Olivier Giroud, if Olivier Giroud doesn't get himself sent off in Zagreb, he definitely comes on and helps us chase that game. And as much as I'm not yeah. a fan of his, I think he makes a big difference there. So he hurt his team twice. He cost us two I games, agree. arguably. I really but, thought he was the sub we needed with 20 minutes to go because when tw- it gets frenetic. Yes, and you can start playing more long balls, and you have a target man, and then Alexis yeah. can run off those balls, and Theo can run off those balls, and that's all well and good. But I can yeah. tell you what I don't think. I don't think in the Champions League is a team that has aspirations of, lol, competing for the title, for the Champions yeah. League. I don't think you should be bringing on Joel Campbell to chase the, That is not going to win you a game. And, and Campbell was anonymous. I know he wasn't on a ton of time, but... He's not a very good player, yeah. so you know he's just not going to make a difference. He's a player who should be playing for Olympiacos, ironically, not for <laughs> Arsenal. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, the d- decision not to strengthen in midfield meant that an unfit Coughlin had to play and have an uneven performance. The decision not to strengthen in attack meant it was Joel Campbell out there fighting to get to get us back in the game as opposed to maybe someone who's a little more seasoned, experienced, and, and goal-getty. And you just you just can't explain the Ospina selection. So it, it's a lot of issues coming home yeah. to roost. But I think the issue that is most disturbing... Go ahead. you have something to add to that? Or you, I was just going to throw... I'm going to push us... Yeah. I was just going to push us to the question of leadership and... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, j- just a quick point. Again, I'm uh, I'm not remotely saying there was there was anything good about last night, but the one thing I did like no, was whether it was yeah, and Theo. Uh, but the we had some gears last night. We we wanted some more tacticing. We wanted some kind of. We kind of started off uh, whether whether it was just reacting to events on the ground or not we kind of dropped back a little bit and we played more counterattacking and we you know we pressed them and it was kind of an interesting for those who say we only play the one way we kind of have a couple of gears now and like i say i don't know if it was planned or not but it seemed to make sense and in, you know before we fucked up on two goals had we not done that, you could see how we could have scored Theo's goal on the counter-attack just as easily and the second goal. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, there's there's so much to be angry about. But for me, it's the two stupid goals and then what we did after, you know, how we reacted with 
at 2-2 when we're in this thing and we've got 30 minutes to go or 25 minutes to go, whatever it is, you know, you could... There was some... There were seeds of hope if we didn't... If this was a one-off game, I'd be arguing you tooth and nail, but unfortunately, we've seen this movie before too many times. That's the key. And that, that to me, is the issue. Monaco, Anderlecht, Zagreb, Olympiacos, you can go back to Braga, Napoli. Uh, I can go on and on like this. I mean, you could even argue that AC Milan team we lost to in the round of 16 was not a good AC Milan team, and we, we took a 4-0 pasting at their place. Um, we did, but that pitch was so extreme. Okay, Sorry okay. To you. come on, though. 4 No, no, we, no, no, no. That was... That was a fucking abomination of a night. And it's one of those uh, where the fucking game was just an absolute mess. So I'll give you the others, though. You got enough there Uh, to work with. Ultimately, I I look at it this way. All right. You're seeing a lot of the same problems and they're they're not necessarily down to the quality of the players. I think we have some players we overrate. I certainly think. You know, Oxlade Chamberlain isn't producing and performing the way he should have. Kieran Gibbs is probably just about reaching the end of his usefulness at Arsenal. Um, I hate to say no. that. I Boo. Rubbish. Well, he's, 20, he's 26 years old. He's so not going to be starting for us because Nacho Monreal is getting a new contract. And he's he's not we'll really see. performing when he plays as a backup. So, you know, all right. That's another argument. We don't have Boo. to have that. To, yeah. Okay, so you disagree. That's fine. I, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't have anything specifically against Kieran Gibbs. Um, he's not going to be our starting left back. Let's put it that way. But the, the the thing that really worries me is the lack of leadership, the lack of discipline. And with Mertesacker saying, we need to learn the lessons from Olympiacos, they're the lessons from Monaco. They're the same lessons. So to you, Paul, ultimately the players have to go out and win games. At some point, when the mistakes start to look the same often, and the shortcomings start to look the same often. And then you throw in decisions that are just too cute and too cavalier, like starting Ospina. At some point, do you have to look at Arsene Wenger and say, are you bringing this club forward, or are you potentially holding this club back? I mean, certainly in European competition. Let's just keep it to the Champions League. Do you think that Arsene Wenger has basically been shown up as not good enough in Europe? Uh, here's what I think. Um, the, some of these Our Champions questions League are, record overall is horrendous under Wenger. Is it? I'd say so. Why? Well, I mean, we made, made it to a final that we didn't win, and that was with arguably the greatest team. Well, with the greatest team of all time, we didn't make it anywhere. Um, we, we got to a final in a season when you wouldn't have expected it, which I'm not taking yeah, but, away from him. Yeah, but we were we busy win. being the greatest team ever, so I, I get it. kind of but, a full-time but that, job. T- that, that team underperformed in Europe, in my opinion. And then since that final, it's basically been, for the most part, rounds of 16, yeah. disappointment, and finishing second in groups where, for most of them, we should have finished first, and a lot of bumpy results along the way to teams like Braga, Shakhtar, Napoli, uh, uh, Anderlecht, Zagreb, Olympiacos twice. I mean, so I think so. I think overall we've been boringly par in the par Champions in Europe, League, I mean, and, and we we've the, been. Shouldn't in, we be one of the ten biggest clubs in in Europe? I mean, aren't we in that group? 
Shouldn't yeah, but that would get you to the round of 16. Past the round of 16 so, at some point, ever? Recently, yeah. Uh, so I agree with you that recently, like the last three or four years, we've Eight. been par and below. Okay. So, um, but to me that, uh, and my suspicion this year with Wenger's two choices is he has... He may not even have fully admitted it to himself, but he has prioritized the league. I don't think he can. He thinks now. I don't want to get you all fired up, Elliot. I know how you get, and I'm not saying he has sacrificed the Champions League. But I think when push comes to shove, he's made a couple of choices in two games now that make me said make me say he thinks the league is doable, and. Uh, his ruthless streak hasn't come out in the Champions League. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Was I critical of his rotation for the Zagreb game? No, I was. No, I wasn't, though. And I wasn't yeah. for two reasons. We were not in a must-win situation yet. It was early in the group. There's still time to come back from a setback. And we had a Wednesday-Saturday turnaround. Early game Saturday. Away game Wednesday. Big okay, game but so This is a Tuesday-Sunday we and an absolute yeah. must-win at some point. Even if you're prioritizing the league, which is fine, you have to say a club of this size doesn't have the luxury of of throwing away the Champions League, which, oh, by the way, we're told every year. Arsene Wenger has told us, Paul, that qualifying for the Champions League is a trophy. If that's a trophy, then being in it should be treated like the trophy it is, not a throwaway. Yeah, there was a lot in there, Elliot. Um, <laughs> the Zagreb game, uh, I don't really buy into it. You know, the most important thing is to get a win behind you. The The way you get yourself into trouble is a bad loss early on. So I was never comfortable, as you know, about the changes made for the Zagreb game. I thought it was bad mojo and asking for trouble. Right, and but at least with the Wednesday Saturday early game turnaround, you've got you've got a little more leverage for suggesting it has to be done if you want to say that your squad just can't turn around that quickly. Yeah, but losing's not good for you. Well, and it's I not agree. good for your Saturday game. <laughs> it's not good and, for my health. <laughs> yeah, and and we were early in the season so people were mostly fresh and we had a long run of games. You don't want to start with the a loss, and then all the bad, bad fucking voodoo in the press, con you know. So you can argue it either way. I think he, had he been more ruthless about it, had his life depended on the Champions League, he would have played a stronger team against Zagreb. I mean, six fucking changes. Come on. So, all right. So uh, he, um, he's prioritizing the league. Totally fine. You can prioritize the league a and, bit. And we're but not yes, going to get in the calf injury for check. But let me let me just throw throw this out there, okay? A bad Liverpool team won the Champions League. A bad Chelsea team that finished sixth in the league or fifth or sixth in the league won the Champions League. Um, Atletico Madrid, who has a much bigger golf and financial capabilities in their league than we have in ours, won their league and went to a final. Dortmund, much bigger financial golf with Bayern than we have in ours, won their league and went to a Champions League final. When you're a big club, and we are a big club, at least that's presumably what we are, one of the top 10 richest clubs in the world, we have one of the best stadiums. We charge the most ticket prices, yada, yada, yada. We, we have London. We have quality players. You should almost accidentally make a run in this competition by virtue of the fact that outside of Bayern, Barca, Real, everybody else is kind of in the same or should be. All the big clubs are kind of interchangeable. 
one beats another, another beats another, you get a chance here, you get a chance there. But we don't make a run. We don't we don't pull that upset. We we don't beat the odds. We underperform the odds. Now I could look, I could understand if one season we get knocked out to Monaco, but a couple seasons before that we eliminated Barca. And you could say, hey, you know what? Sometimes you you dog bites you, sometimes you bite the dog or whatever the expression is. And, yeah. yeah. Um but so it, it, let me it's just say I happening. agree. Paul, why are yeah, I, look even a I terrible agree with Liverpool you, Elliot, team but made a the run one thing the I would league. say about us, Elliot, is we've put in very creditable performances against your Barcelonas and your Byrons. So the the that, Barca, that's I our agree. upside. The, the Bayern, I do not. I I just don't agree on the Bayern. I agree on the Barca, not on the Bayern. Well, of course we did. We went to their place. We beat them. We right, but, we but, were, but excuse I, me. We were excuse me in the first leg excuse, at home. Excuse I, me, no. Elliot. We were within a fucking goal of putting them out. They were shitting themselves at the end of that second leg. The next year we disagree. played. Hang on, hang on. The next mm-hmm. year we played them again. We. Uh, Guardiola said we were the best team he'd played that year, and they were fucking unbeaten at that point, practically. We absolutely smoked them for about 25 minutes. Um, fucking Ozil missed a penalty. Fucking Chesney came here and out and got himself red card and got sent off. And the rest, they say, is history. So while I agree with your overall thrust, we have over underperformed in recent years in the Champions League. It's not all one fucking color. But in particular, here's my frustration, and I think you'll share this. It's against these fucking minnows. Mm -hmm. I mean, talking about digging, how do you then go? This undermines the Champions League, and it undermines your Premier League, and that's why I think he got it wrong. This, This putting the emphasis on the Premier League only works if it works, and I'm not sure it is working. Okay, and I don't look. I don't vehemently. We can argue the Bayern stuff. That's such old news, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I would argue that in a, in a in a tie where you get blown out at home in the first leg, you don't get to claim moral victories in the second. I, but that's you know again. It, but that, it wasn't that's a, a moral de- victory. We were within no, no, minutes we, of putting we, them we, out. We pulled it back to a case where we actually could have gone through. I I totally get that. one more I, goal. Th- and they were you know my problem with themselves. that, Paul? Here's my problem. We are a team who has proven that when the pressure is on, we choke. And so I don't love looking at that result because I think by losing so heavily in the first leg, we gave ourselves almost a free run at it, if you know what I mean. I like to see how we perform under pressure. And I almost think the pressure wasn't back on until the very end of that second leg. But but again, I'm I'm perfectly open to seeing your perspective there. I still think the point stands that we are... We're a team that produces the underperformance but hasn't produced the overperformance. And for a club of our stature, we should. So, so I'll, I'll finish with this because I, I, I don't think there's any more to say. This was a disaster. we got to quickly touch on United. But, Paul, at the end of last season, presumably Arsene Wenger and Ivan Gazidis and the rest of the team sits down and says, okay, we won an FA Cup, but we're Arsenal Football Club. We're one of the biggest clubs in the world, and the goal is to win the Premier League and the Champions League. And that shouldn't be beyond our reach. Here's what we need to do. Here are the steps we need to take. Here are the things we're going to do so that when next season starts, we're going to be more equipped to really compete. And and maybe we won't win them, but really compete in those competitions. Do you see any evidence at all? And this is a loaded question because if your answer is yes, you're lying at this point. But, you know... How, as a supporter, can you look at where we are in Europe right now and what's gone on so far and say that 
Arsenal had a plan this summer to get us further in Europe, to make us more competitive in Europe, to give us a shot at this competition that we're in every year and we're told is important to be in. What evidence is there that we that we did anything to close that gap? Um, well, I mean, we're stronger than we were last year. Are the we? Squa- yeah, the squad is stronger. Um, I mean, we didn't have Theo last year, let's be honest. We got no, him I, back. I, look, I think that's an improvement. Absolutely. We got Czech. We, we all said there were three positions we needed to fill. Over the summer, I think that was unanimous. We only need to f- fulfill three positions. We fi- full f- we filled the keeper position. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't get any DM cover. No arguments over that. Mm-hmm. We may have a really good striker. To see, we've to see if it unfolds. We've to see if he stays fit. We've to see if he pans out. But we may have the striker. I mean, they re-signed him. They paid him 140k. They say. That was a serious statement of intent. So um, I, I know that's not like going out and buying a striker, but it's not not buying one either. No, we didn't I, have him I last year. That. I follow that. I, look, I, I just I look at it and I say there's one of two possibilities. Either there is enough talent for us to be doing better in the Champions League, in which case the manager is letting himself and his team down with his tactics or his performance or his team selection, or that's my vote. the team is not or the team is not strong enough to compete in this competition that we're told is a, a huge honor to be in every year, in which case the manager or, or his bosses, if he has bosses, are not doing enough in between the seasons to get us there. There's really only one of two options. If you're a team that continues to disappoint in a competition, either your team's good enough but it's not being prepared properly, or your team isn't good enough, which means it's not being built properly. And I just and don't I know how you get away from a. those conclusions. Yeah, I'm going with A. Okay. I think and, this, and look, team, this team was you, clearly good enough to win last night, apart from the fucking keeper. Yeah, and, and you know what? If he doesn't pick that keeper, he doesn't lose that game, and that's on him. And, you know, I mean, I'm more yeah. than happy to lay it at the feet of a player when, when it's a player's fault, or sometimes lay it at the feet of a, of a referee, what, like, like against Chelsea. This is on the manager, and I think yep. if you're the team, you know, a lot of these guys pick their teams, and we know this, Paul. A lot of these guys, when they make a transfer, Sanchez didn't go to Spurs. Ozil didn't go to Spurs. Czech didn't go to Spurs because they didn't have Champions League. Not to say they would have gone there anyway. But my point is, we know that Champions League is an attraction for these players. They want to be in this competition. The manager may prioritize the Premier League. But make no mistake, these foreign players care about how they perform in Europe. And they're going to be just as pissed as we are that they watched that clown throw the ball in his net and cost us arguably being out of Europe after two games, which is a shambles. Anyway... Look, it's it's a horrible night. It's one to forget. It's not one to dwell on, and we've already done it for about 55 minutes. So let's give a quick discussion of the United match. I mean, if Arson put himself under pressure with his team selection for Zagreb uh, with the Chelsea match, which we lost, but we all know the circumstances there, then he's doubled down, so to speak, on that pressure with United. The first question I have is a quick one. Presumably he will go right back to the established starting 11 Yep. You know, so the three changes he made basically last night go away. It goes back to Nacho, uh, Czech, and Ramsey. No other changes? Yeah. Yeah. No no suggestion that he'd go with Giroud, correct? No. Okay. Be I agree with you there. So just give me quickly your expectation, what you expect to see from us. Again, we came off a big win at the weekend. 
we didn't follow it up to create momentum. The team is going to be really down. Do you see them lifting themselves with a win, or is this this where the ball string starts to unravel? No, no, I don't think it unravels at all. I, I, I think, uh, strangely enough, I think they'll uh, feel that this weekend's a whole other ball game. And it is. Let's be honest. The Premier League's different. Our problems against big teams don't even feel like the problems against these minnows in the Champions League. I mean, you, there's a qualitative difference you can feel in those matches. You know, when we get stuffed by Chelsea, it doesn't feel like this fucking rubbish we do with uh, bloody Anderlecht or so, uh, one of these. But it minnows. is still down to mental and mindset, right? I mean, like, there's something about Gabriel not controlling himself in that moment that's really just still tied into this whole thing of discipline and shipping that extra goal you shouldn't and maybe not being properly up for a match. Again, I'm not trying to pile on. I just, I do think the players are good enough. We could get, yeah, we could get stuffed to the weekend. I understand that. I I don't think think so. I think we'll win. I don't think we will. I think we'll play well. And the reason, I bet you're, you see, I think in a way you agree with me, which is, you don't think we will. You think we'll do well at the weekend. I bet if we were playing Anderlecht in the Champions League at the weekend, you wouldn't be feeling as confident. No, I wouldn't. And the, I'll tell you why very quickly. Yeah. I think the Premier League is hot garbage. I think it is a t- an absolute dumpster fire of terribleness. I don't think there's a good team in it except maybe City, and they're only as good as Aguero. I think United are absolutely dog shit terrible. They're playing an unproven teenager at striker who's gotten off to a hot start, but still an unproven teenager at striker. They have a midfield with Schweinsteiger and Carrick who both look past their best. Blind is not a center forward. You know, they have a lot of players in there who are capable of howlers. And they have a crazy manager that I'm not convinced they totally want to play for. But here's the biggest thing. I right, just don't the, think Arsene uh, is up to second, tactically Elliot. in Europe. And I don't think there's tactics in the Premier League. I think you just put your best players out there and they put their best players out there and everyone runs around and tries to kick it in the goal like it's five-year-olds playing on a park in your in your local suburb. So... When you match it up like that, I think we have the talent to just out-football them. Yeah, well, I certainly think that's the speech. If we can capture that, that's the speech he should give them before he sends them out. That's the team been hot garbage and blint and who to target and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, you know, the one, I did try to make the point we actually did a bit of tacticking. If, if you take the first two-thirds of that game, I think we managed ourselves well against fucking... Um, <clears throat> Olympiacos last night from a Champions League tacticking standpoint. I thought that was pretty good. They showed some promise. Now, unfortunately, down the other end of the field, we were busy fucking throwing it into our own net or or flicking it off our heels to get us two goals down. And then we lost our fucking... It, it was the last third of the game where I buy into your we-don't-have-what-it-takes-in-Europe thing because... But if you take the first two-thirds, if we kept that kind of shit going and didn't shoot ourselves in the foot we might have the basis of a formula going forward. There was some promise there, but it's the same old story. Yeah, I mean, you, you, look, at, you look at the way uh, Chelsea lost to Porto and Ivanovic just got absolutely destroyed again. And I know it's hard to talk about the Chelsea game because, because of the red card, but Alexis went after him early in that game, and then after that we didn't really target him much again. And it just it, it drives me nuts. Anyway, um... So, score prediction for the weekend? Oh, I've I've no clue, and it never means anything. I'm always wrong. Um, I'm going for two one to us. Okay, I'm gonna go three one to us. 
Um, these players, they have it in them to do it. And, you know, I, I don't, I tend to think defensively, you know, 7 a.m. kickoff had an interesting article, or maybe it was just a series of tweets, but I think it was an article. One of the things, yeah, it was, it was his by the numbers section talking about our losses come when we make errors. And last season we made a ton of errors in the first half. We did in the second half of the se- didn't in the second half. And if you look at it, he's right, right? Lost to Zagreb, an error, a red card by our striker. Lost to Olympiacos, Espina throws it in his net. We've lost a few times in the league d- down to own goals. Um, I think when our best team is out there and they're focused, I think they're capable of eliminating the errors. If if we just eliminate the errors, I think we're good enough to beat United. So. Let's hope that's the case. Paul, I appreciate you soldiering on with me to discuss what was a really unpleasant midweek. I really hope you're right that we can go through. Ultimately, the reason I'm so upset is I really care about this. I care about the Champions League. I am proud we're in it. I'm proud we're in it and Liverpool aren't and Spurs aren't. And I'd, I'd really actually enjoy seeing us be good at it once. So that'd be nice. Yeah. Um, I will talk to you this weekend. Great. Thank you, sir. You can find Paul on Twitter at Posing in My Pants. Uh, my name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. I strongly recommend it. Um, th- this is still a-, a podcast finding its way in the world. If you could leave us a-, a review on iTunes, it would be greatly appreciated. The positive kind would be great. The negative kind, you know, that's fine too. Um, and James will be back at the weekend as well. He's recently employed, so now, you know, he can't always come on midweek, but I think he picked a good time to be gone. So, James, smart choice. Paul, thanks as always. And uh, we will talk to you after United with the Arsenal. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.